Warner Solicitors provide advice on a range of legal matters to individuals, families and businesses. The leading legal directories regularly recognise Warners as offering some of the best legal advice in the region. This series of podcasts will give you an insight into some of the legal issues that may affect you and your family. I'm Paul Harvey and a very warm welcome to this Warner's Solicitors podcast. And today I'm with Rebecca Massam from Warner's Solicitors. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Now, Rebecca, could you please describe your role with Warner's Solicitors? I'm a partner and family lawyer in Warner's and I'm also a collaborative lawyer. Um, I specialise in all matters relating to the family, so divorce, children, those kind of things. We also help with prenuptial agreements and basically just to assist people in making arrangements for their family and, and the way they want to set their family up going into the future. So this topic is about alternative dispute resolution in family law matters. Now, Rebecca, I'm going to open up the first question and ask you, what is Alternative Dispute Resolution or ADR? Alternative Dispute Resolution takes various different forms and it reaches across lots of different aspects of legal matters. But it's essentially the process of trying to resolve a legal disagreement between two people in a forum which avoids taking a case to court. So for couples who are separating or divorcing... This can mean resolving their issues away from the court arena, cutting out all the costs associated with that, getting rid of any acrimony or stress that can sometimes become really difficult within long-winded legal proceedings. And what are the different alternative dispute resolutions available in family law? We're quite fortunate in family law that there are various different options available to couples and families who are keen to reach an agreement without going to court. So there are more traditional routes to reaching settlement that doesn't involve going to court, such as negotiating through solicitors or having what's known as roundtable meetings with your spouse and their lawyers. But there are more formal processes of ADR available too, which have a slightly different ethos to each of them. So the form of ADR that most people will be familiar with in the family arena is mediation but there is also a process known as collaborative law and then there is also um, a process called arbitration which is almost like a privatized version of the court process so what actually happens at mediation give give us a, a sense of that So mediation, first of all, is a voluntary process where a couple or family members appoint an impartial third person to assist them to communicate better with one another. And this can help them to make the decisions that they need to make or reach an agreement on something. So this can be about just a small part of the issue or it can be the whole big issue that can be looked at and dealt with. It can help to resolve the whole thing or just a small part. It's important to note that the agreements reached or decisions that are made in mediation aren't legally binding unless they're recorded into a court order. So it does offer some flexibility with the discussions that go on. But it does mean then that it will be necessary to instruct a solicitor after you've been to mediation to put your agreement into the required format and assist in having it approved by the court. So at mediation, typically the mediator will meet with both parties separately in the first instance to understand the issues that may arise and to talk about the process, how it works and what you want to achieve. Some couples might find that they're comfortable enough to do this initial meeting together. Others won't. Perfectly normal either way. 
Then there would typically be between three to six joint sessions where the issues that both parties want to discuss are clarified and the mediator will guide them through various ways of resolving those issues. The mediator can't give legal advice, so it's important to understand that. They can provide facts and information, but they won't give legal advice. And it's for this reason, often couples who are attending mediation will also employ a solicitor in the background to give them legal advice separately. So is this where collaborative law then kicks in? Yes, yeah, so collaborative law is a, is a different area and its approach is slightly different to mediation. Um, the collaborative law is an approach to resolving family matters where you work with your lawyer rather than through them. So you don't have a mediator who is impartial and is there for both of you, you would each have your own lawyer. So instead of the usual format where you might go to your lawyer, get advice, your lawyer sends a letter to your spouse's lawyer, who then speaks to your spouse, gives them advice, and then it all comes back down the chain, which can be really long-winded. During the collaborative process, you would all sit in the same room to each other, and your lawyer would give you advice in front of your spouse and vice versa. So you're in control and you all sit around the table together and you can hear exactly what's being said and make decisions based on the whole thing. So under the collaborative process, each person will appoint their own collaboratively trained lawyer and you and your respective lawyers will all meet together to work out what you need to work out face to face. Both parties will have their lawyer by their side throughout the process and so will have their support and legal advice as they go along. But in addition to this, parties can also work with independent financial advisors, family consultants and child specialists or accountants who can come into the meetings and provide specialist help to both you and your spouse at the same time so that you can collectively make up a collaborative team. So one distinctive feature is that everybody participating in collaborative law signs an agreement that commits them to trying to resolve the issues without going to court. And it's important to note that this agreement also prevents your lawyers representing you in court if the collaborative process breaks down. So what this means then is that everybody in that room trying to resolve the issues is absolutely committed to finding the best solutions by agreement during the time that you've set aside for those meetings rather than having to go through the lengthy court process because nobody wants the collaborative process to break down because they don't want to have to start it again. So it does make it quite effective for that. And there would be a series of meetings and these are known as four-way meetings because there are generally four people present at the meeting. The first four-way meeting, the lawyers will make sure that you and your spouse both understand that you're making a commitment to working out an agreement without going to court and you'll sign the written agreement that I mentioned previously to show your commitment to that. You'll then be invited to share your own objectives as to why you chose this process. So there are lots of reasons why people choose to do collaborative law because they want to have a future together even though their future may look different to the one that they envisaged many years ago and they may have children together and they know that those children are going to grow up and they want to still both be there for the children it can be a far more friendly process and ensure that you maintain relationships and it's important sometimes for people to talk about that during this process and because it keeps everything in perspective so typically you'd be invited to do that at the first meeting and then you would plan the agenda for the next meeting and make a list of things that need to be done in preparation for the next meeting. You might also discuss how you would share financial information as well so that any discussions that need to take place at the next meeting are meaningful. 
So all the information is there. At the subsequent meetings, if there are any particular priorities or concerns that have been raised, you can deal with those first. There might be some short term specific financial issues that need to be addressed or something relating to arrangements for the children. So it can be fairly fluid if something comes up that needs to be addressed quite quickly, then you can all sit around and do that as a priority. Then after a number of meetings, when you've had your disclosure and you've had lots of discussions about the finances, you would hopefully reach an agreement. And then in the final meeting, documents detailing the arrangements that you've reached can be signed and your lawyers will be able to talk you through anything else that needs to be done in order to implement those arrangements, like putting in place a timetable for the sale of the family home. So in summary, I mean, there are some very clear benefits of collaborative law. Is it a cheaper option as well? Could you please elaborate on that? It can be a cheaper option than lengthy and expensive court proceedings. But the collaborative approach does still require two lawyers sitting around a table and having a conversation and you are then paying for two separate lawyers. Whereas, Mm. for example, mediation between the two of you, you are employing one professional to guide you through the negotiation. So it can definitely be more cost effective than going to court and spending a number of days waiting around a courtroom with barristers um, and all the paperwork that is needed before that but it's not the cheapest option and I don't think necessarily people are going into the collaborative process particularly looking for the cheapest option they're looking for something that is going to work for them and as I said before maintain their relationships that's a key point isn't it and also is there a disclosure of finances in that collaborative meeting on both sides is that made very transparent absolutely it's essential that everybody involved has a clear picture of the true financial position of the family that's the only way lawyers are able to give accurate advice and both parties have to be absolutely clear of the facts before making any big decisions that are going to impact them into the future so should we just elaborate on the difference the the key difference between mediation and collaborative law so people are aware The two are very different. Mediation is very much about one professional working with a couple to guide them to make a decision by providing them with facts and information. A mediator won't give legal advice and the parties are encouraged to seek independent legal advice separately to mediation. The collaborative process is a couple working with their own lawyers whilst they're going through those discussions. They can have legal advice as part of the process and you very much work as a team of four. So really, mediation can lead to a collaborative process? Absolutely. You can go to mediation first and then if you don't find that you've resolved all the issues, you can then go and find a collaborative lawyer who can assist you with that. It's unlikely that your mediator would become your collaborative lawyer because they would mm. they have been independent throughout the mediation process. But there's nothing stopping you from doing both processes if you find that one hasn't been as effective as you had hoped. Is this one of the strengths of Warner Solicitors where you are able to offer that collaborative service? Yes, in the family team at Warners, we have a mediator and a collaborative lawyer. I'm a collaborative lawyer in the family team. And certainly we are able to discuss the different options with you and work out what would be best for you. So am I right in saying that not all law firms have got a mediator and a collaborative lawyer in the same team? No, not all lawyers can offer 
these services, they need to be specially trained to be able to effectively mediate and collaborate. And it's important then if you want to explore either of these routes that you find a team who have the appropriate accreditations to assist you in making those decisions. And if mediation or the collaborative approach doesn't result in an agreement, what happens next? Well, most couples, when they're committed to this process, do reach an agreement or at least narrow down many of the issues that remain disputed. So if you've been to mediation and you find that it hasn't worked um, in resolving all of the issues, you can then take advice from your own independent legal advisor who's separate to the mediator and they may be able to take up the negotiations on your behalf. Everything that's been discussed previously in mediation isn't binding. Any concessions Mm. that you've made or or given can't then be put before the court by the other party in future. So you don't need to worry about that kind of thing um, moving forward with the negotiations. If you're partway through the collaborative process, then you will need to terminate the collaborative agreement that you entered into at the beginning and start again with a new lawyer because everything that you have done in the collaborative meetings sort of remains within that collaborative bubble it can't then be used in in the court process or court arena later on and all the advice that you have been given by your lawyer or you have heard been given to your spouse by their lawyer it sort of becomes separate to any ongoing proceedings that may need to be brought to try and resolve the issue so you would need to find a new lawyer and tell me about arbitration when does that um when does that kick in Family arbitration is where you and your partner would appoint an arbitrator as a judge, basically. They would make decisions that would be final and binding between you um, on any points of disagreement that may be in respect of financial uh, property disputes or some child-related issues as well, issues generally arising from family relationships. So, as I said earlier, it's it's almost like a privatisation of the court process. You would appoint um, somebody to be your judge who usually would be a very senior barrister at Chambers and you would have your day in court but in a Chambers somewhere instead of in the courtroom and you would all sign up to the decision made by the arbitrator as being the final and binding decision on you. So family arbitration enables couples going through the family breakdown to resolve disputes more quickly and it's still confidential and it can be far more flexible and less formal than going to a a courtroom the timings are often quicker because you're not waiting for the court timetable you're not in a list behind lots of other cases that are going on the judge will only hear your case that day um, rather than having a list of 10 other cases that they may also need to hear And you can then appoint the same arbitrator to deal with all the stages of the case as well. So you then would have continuity of judiciary, which quite often, unfortunately, we don't get when you're in court proceedings. Another benefit of arbitration is that you and your partner have the major say in how the proceedings are run. So this could include, for example, choosing the venue, whether you meet face to face or through writing only, or whether you use an arbitrator for the whole process or just for the parts that you get stuck on. The flexibility and the fact that you will get a final decision much more quickly than going through the traditional formal court process can make arbitration incredibly cost effective. So, Rebecca, am I right in saying that there is a backlog because of COVID? There's a backlog of cases waiting to go through the court. And perhaps if you want a quicker result, then, you know, avoid going to court. Is that is that a fair comment? Yeah, absolutely. And I think without COVID, the courts are overwhelmed with cases. There are positives and negatives. I mean, the new online system that they've got set up for divorces means that the courts are able to deal with divorces 
very, very quickly. And where parties have reached an agreement on their finances, we can draw up a consent order and send it to the court and they will deal with that really quickly. But if you are waiting for court hearings, you can be waiting months and you may not be allocated the right length of time to deal with all of the issues that your family are facing because the courts are under so much pressure. So arbitration really is a good alternative. Rebecca, there's a lot of information here for people to digest. If people want to find out more about mediation and collaborative law, how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Have a look at our website at www.warners.law and you can also drop me an email. Uh, My email address is r.massam at warners.law. All the information for contacting us is on the website as well. By all means, we have a big family team here with mediators and I'm a collaborative lawyer. We have experience in arbitration. So feel free to give us a call or drop us an email and we can assist you as best we can. Thank you, Rebecca. I've been talking to Rebecca Massam today from Warner's Solicitors. Rebecca is a partner and a collaborative law solicitor with Warner's. Thank you for listening to this Warner's Solicitors podcast. To find out more about our expert legal teams and the advice and services they deliver for both individuals and businesses, please go to warners-solicitors.co.uk.